everybody and welcome back to the I Get Buckets podcast. As always, I'm your host Simon Harricks and this is part two of the Fantasy 2022 review. Um, thank you for coming back and thank you, Dan, you're still here. Feeling yeah, good? <laughs> regrettably. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm loving it. It's good to be back, man. Yeah, well, we've, we've taken some time. <laughs> we've had a couple of beers. The, the part one was good. It's it's fun to just kind of organically go through the teams and, and talk about some shit. Um, yeah, yeah, I actually thought about it when we sort of signed off on the last one. I was like, oh, I feel like we glossed over some people and we moved from this topic to that topic. But um, I'm sure everyone listening will understand that we just <laughs> talking shit, aren't we? Yeah, well, I think the hardest <laughs> thing is like, um, we'll see with the start of the, this, you can talk on a lot of things. And I think it, it is fit, it, it will fit nicely into like two our kind of podcasts and we don't want to get too bogged down um but there's a lot of a lot of stuff to do and i think uh, some teams deserve more um talk than others and and some players in particular yeah. i think yeah deserve the chat as well yeah so yeah. it's no um i think i say even at the start it's no this is no um <laughs> talk on on the characters of, of people who have drafted but except jake except <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm usually, I think, I think, oh, I think Jake listens to him all, but he does, he does. That's why I'm picking on him. And also as well, like I just, I love the Ennis freedom choice. So yeah, I'm going to pick on you for that one. Oh, that's funny. He's going to haunt him until the next draft. I swear. I think I've, there's never been a turnaround from draft day till me looking forward to the next draft day. As soon as it was this year, it was literally the Lakers first game. And after I'm like, Oh fuck, when's the next draft day? But, um, we'll have some, some fun now going into the, the top five kind of teams, the teams that made playoffs, um, to kind of go through and, and, and chat some shit. And we'll, we'll see how we go before kind of ending with, um, the, the yours truly for fuck's sake um, but we start off with the team who lost in the first kind of elimination final which was Embiid's feed and seed coach MJ um, really interesting kind of um, consistently their season for MJ obviously he was um, the reigning champion coming in um, reliable um, expected draft from him um, going through some of the lists at the top, as I said, it was an interesting kind of coin flip for me on whether you'd go um, James Harden or Joel Embiid for that 4-5 slot. He got Embiid at 5. Couldn't have been more happier, yeah? Um, oh, yeah, no, 100%. Like, that was an amazing pick. I think when we spoke about our draft review or something, we did a podcast really early into the season. Um, and Joel, in particular, feels to me that he's shaken off the injury woes to an extent, uh, particularly as well that you don't really worry about the injury woes as much because he is just such a productive fantasy player. Um, yeah, and I like I definitely, if it were me at this area, I would have been stoked that MB dropped to me at five. I probably would have taken him at four myself, personally, yeah. I think the thing you hit on there was the big one that he's shaken this injury tag off now. Like, you know, he averaged 39 in fantasy, which is, you know, in any other year, the best <laughs> fantasy yeah. um, player in the league by a long while. But this year, I mean, obviously the scoring change has something to do with it. But, you know, we have these MVP kind of candidates in, in Giannis and, and Nicola and the fact that you've got, you know, almost the next best at five really kind of puts you in the, you know, the position to to be really good yeah, on the yeah. back of what he, but yeah, he's, he's healthy now. So I don't see any reason why he would slip past four next year. Yeah. I can't really see a reason either. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny. You were talking about Luca being in his own sort of stratosphere between, you know, Giannis and Jokic at the top. Um, I do think Embiid's more so closer. He's closed the gap between him and Luca now and particularly going into next year. Um, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I agree. And I guess, the weird one was, you know, you've got Harden who went four and, and Bede and five who were the uh, the coin flip now on the same team, which is which is weird. Well, not weird, but, you know, it, it makes an interesting decision last year. But, you know, Embiid's still the guy that we saw with him. The stats aren't really getting hurt. He had a late push for MVP and we'll see what he 
he does. I reckon he'll fall short, um, but it'll be quite close. And if Jokic doesn't, excuse me, I had a frog in my throat. Um, if Jokic doesn't get MVP, I'll be very, very, very surprised. I'm just going to say that. I I agree, yeah. Yeah. and I think it's one of those ones where um, a run in another season would have won it. But um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is now, like it's not like the Sixers finished like first and Denver was, um, you know, seventh. Like looking at the standings, it's quite similar. That. I think he gets the nod, but going off topic a little bit, um, perfect way to start. The question marks on the team, for me, I think at the time, were the next two picks in Lillard and Butler. It's a hard one with Lillard because he got injured and then Portland season went from... um, They've always wanted to kind of, you know, be interesting in the playoffs to this is not going well. This is a fire sale. Like every, yeah. <laughs> like the, the pit just <laughs> fell out of the bottom. Um, I guess the question is, was there concern at the start of the season that Lillard at, at round two is a lot of stock on someone who, I mean, it's been round about there, but it felt like he, the ceiling, we've seen the best of Damian Lillard as a fantasy player. Yeah. I don't know. For me, um, I'd heard some, I guess, uh, some rumors that I put a little bit more stock into than um, maybe I should have. But like actually looking at it now, uh, they all came true. Um, but th- there was issues overflowing about his abdomen um, yeah. and, and stuff that ha- he was bringing into this season that made me sort of look past him in, in my rounds. Um, particularly, obviously, I was, um, he is definitely a second rounder going into this year, I would have said. Um, I don't got no issue with him getting picked at 16, but now obviously looking back and seeing the injury woes and stuff like that, it's no doubt MJ's team would have performed better had Lillard or had he chosen another guy like a Sabonis, um, at that point to like carry him through the season a little bit more. Yeah. And I think I might've said at the time, like I, every time he gets picked at round two, I've been a bit. Because, I mean, that seems to where, you know, he needs to go. I've been a bit down on it, but he's kind of repaid the faith. And then this year, um, you know, unluckily for coach, seemed to be where things went wrong injury-wise as well as... Um, it's funny because yeah. he's an Iron Man. Like, with, I'll put that in. You can't see them, but there's quotation marks going <laughs> up that he's an Iron Man. And, um, and stuff. And then, yeah, like, you could basically count on him for 75-plus games year in year out and then this year it's just obviously fallen in a heap um and yeah unfortunately mj's paid the price in that regard yeah Yeah. Uh, jimmy Butler was another one that i was kind of down on and i think i said at the time it was a bit of a leap of faith to say that or it was risky because he was so good last year but i felt like one of the reasons why he was so good is because his shooting splits were like out of control compared to like his career average and with the change of the scoring, it was like you want like that shift between that high volume scorer and Jimmy Butler, who you know very deliberately picks his shots and is not a three point shooter, um, would kind of parry out. I think I was both right and wrong because I think I was wrong in the terms of he was able to hit a lot of these markers um, that I was had question marks over. You know, he still averaged twenty eight point one and was a fantastic player, but I think the he did, you know, regress a little bit um, and had question marks on what I thought he could bring. And he, he didn't give you, you know, um, as much, I think, that MJ was expecting. And he missed a lot of time. It's How hard, fucking but... annoying are his injuries, though? Yeah. It's just little niggling things or he'll twist his ankle here or he'll do that there. And um, honestly, like MJ perennially, when it comes to drafts, he picks the guy that I'm looking at in that round. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, I, like from Jimmy Butler particularly onwards, I was eyeing him off. Then I was eyeing, eyeing Brown off. Then I was eyeing Siakam and uh, and so on as you sort of go down that list. Yeah. And um, but yeah, Butler, I think had... He, I don't know if he, he'll ever stay healthy again, to be honest, but... um. Yeah, had he been healthy at pick 25, he was performing when he played as a second rounder, I'd say. Like a late second rounder, but a second rounder. And there was enough wiggle room in there that he, he could have been good. But um, I just think particularly when MJ needed him 
and to perform in certain things. He was out with injury or whatever it might be that led to a little bit of a downfall there. Yeah, I think that's very fair. I think his, his average makes this a, a quite a good pick. Um, even though he regressed, he hit a lot of the the big markers to say that he's better than a pick 25 player. But yeah, it is interesting on you know the impact of him on winning and I don't know how you can get some of the you know, analytics in terms of fantasy week to yeah, week. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because, um, like, for example, Jimmy strikes me exactly as one of those players where you go, um, there is no doubt when he's playing that he's going to be good, but is he playing in a week where you're against the bottom of the ladder or the top of the ladder? Because that matters. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and his... Is it not inconsistency? Is... Um, you, you can't rely on him as yeah. much as you would like to as a third rounder, even though he performs as a second rounder. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I actually find this a real interesting wrinkle in fantasy, and I don't have the answers and what you can point to, but like you want your first two or three rounds to be like guys that like when they're on, they win matches for yeah, you. Yeah. And then that was the thing with, with Westbrook for me this year. Like even though he ended up being one of my best players, cause he just played, I don't remember any week where I said oh, he dominated that week and he dragged me over the line where, you know, a lot of these other players we've seen, you know, do that for you. And I think Jimmy Butler, you can look at his average, absolutely fantastic player that, you know, is, as you said, probably second rounder and you got him at 25. But, I mean, it'd be an interesting question to MJ or to go back to look and say, oh, how much do you reckon he really helped you this year? Yeah. On the outside looking in, it didn't feel like you got that from him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's interesting. Um, and I'll bet you there were matchups, um, and MJ will have to confirm nor den- or deny this, but there were matchups where Jimmy Butler got him over the line. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. There would have been something where he, uh, a week that came about where he just absolutely smashed it. Who's bordering on that triple double that he's well and truly capable of? Mm. Um, yeah. All right. So I'm going to give you a bit of a runway here. <laughs> <laughs> um, sell me on Pascal Siakam. He was amazing fantasy wise this year, but it felt like there was real question marks on him for the first bit. I know he's injured. I remember listening to a podcast saying he was one of the most um, overpaid players in the NBA. But he's played himself into, you know, borderline All-NBA 13 this year. Um, absolute great pick at 45. But why is there a little bit of down on Pascal, you reckon, around the league? Or at least on NBA Twitter? For me, um, he, estab- not established, he gained this um, uh, this identity that he didn't have the tools to be the guy in Toronto. Um, particularly in the bubble when, you know, the the um, NBA had gone on hiatus for however long and he didn't really pick up a basketball in that time. Then he comes back and he literally looks like a fidget spinner. Mm-hmm. Um, it was... <laughs> I remember that, yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of memes coming out around that time. And I, I genuinely, I think it took a little while for him to shake that off. I think he has this season. Um, but then you've got the emergence of Fred Van Vliet You've uh, you've got the drafting of Scotty Barnes. At that at some stage, people start to ask questions. Is Siakam the guy? And you know what? I'd probably say no. He's not the guy. Not he's not the guy. However, um, he's got a lot of tools in, under his belt that people forget about. Yeah. Like his um his playmaking ability and his passing ability is well and truly underrated. Yeah. Um, he can create separation from himself from a defender and stuff and be really critical whether he, um, you know, opens up an opportunity for, um, for a teammate or find some light himself. He's, he's got that ability and it's really easy to oversee when you've got like, like Fred Van Vliet. Um, I can't speak enough about him. I love him. Um, and then as well, like, you know, my eyes have been on Scotty Barnes a lot more than Siakam this season, I have to say, because um, that rookie of the year race has been really interesting and stuff. And it, I know it feels like I'm going on a tangent, but <laughs> it sort of does take away from the focus that was on Siakam preceding this season. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I, I mean, obviously, we'll dedicate time to play. <laughs> I think Pascal Siakam is a super interesting one because I think for the reason why people get down, sometimes it doesn't pass the eye test. And I watch games and I'm like, okay, I don't like the. I don't know if you're focusing on the wrong bits, but there's weaknesses to his games. You remember the missed shot. You don't remember the yeah, one. and you then like those things. And he does miss the shots, and he does do things like. He, he did have a dip in his efficiency yeah. um, this season, I feel like. I could, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure. And yeah. it's, it's a weird one because, I, I mean, I was at a question mark on it in my review of his team, I think, of Siakam. Um, regardless of him being injured to be, you know, is he a top, you know, 50 player in the NBA? Um, well, he was expected to miss the first month of the yeah. season and he came back in like week two but and it, stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, and played pretty effectively from then on. Yeah. You know, like, and I mean, I, I admit I'm not going out of my way to watch Toronto as much as I should. And I mean, I try and every game, mate, come on. <laughs> no, no, no. I can say the, the glimpses I've got of Scotty Barnes, I've like gushing and how good I think he is in terms of the way he impacts yeah. winning basketball. But Pascal Siakam has almost been this one where like, I'm like, Oh, I'm not sure, you know where it is. And then like, I watched him against the Nets. I'm like, he's dropped 20 hours in a half. Mm-hmm. And like, they're shots that I don't think they're like sometimes great shots, but he kind of like finicky's his way to like get into the post and like I like he seems predictable, but he still ends up being efficient. And then there's these counting stats that you don't notice and you look at him and then you know, if you're just doing your Twitter scroll and you're like, Oh fuck, he had another game where he was thirty two, eight and eight, like yeah. um and his his end of year sprint seemed like crazy. But um I think because he, he averaged thirty, I think we'll get it up in the what's, fantasy. What are, what's always crazy, yeah. So season stats, he a- averaged five assists a game. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think that's a really overlooked side of his game. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, you have to give it credit these days that five assists in the in the NBA is pretty solid, particularly coming out of your, one of your forward positions. Yeah. Um. And yeah, he, he just he just finds a way into finding points, doesn't he, for fantasy? It seems like yeah. every game. I mean, and he averaged thirty seven point nine minutes a game, which, it's, you know, minutes is always fantasy gold. It feels, um, but yeah, anyway, I, it was worth talking about him because mm-hmm. he really kind of um, was a really important kind of push for MJ coming late, and it's, it's I kind of like the five seeding what we do in playoffs. It rewards regular season, but. You know, a couple of results late pushed, you know, MJ from having that second chance down into the um, the do or die game. And when Walsh had momentum, like, there was real kind of like razor thin um, things that would have changed MJ's season, I think, yeah. from being. And he had, I think he had issues with injury late, but um, I would think, we, you said before, a very formulaic way to draft the, the players in the end, but. It always seems to be competitive and, and yeah. really good, and it was a big push. Well, looking um, down that roster, like Lillard, Collins, Brogdon, um, I don't know why he kept Drummond on his team for as long as he did. Um, I, personally, like that—that's my personal thing. But um, yeah, anyway, Lillard, uh, but Butler, Brogdon, Sia, uh, Collins—they uh, all suffered from. Um, at least extensive injuries for a yeah. large chunk of the season. Um, and I, I think that's what sort of brought the team undone. Uh, also drafting John Wall. Yeah. Um, I don't know, at 116. Again, we've spoken about the value in the um, back end of the draft this year. And there was a lot more to be had than somebody who might or might not, might not come back. Yeah. Uh, I think it kills you. I had it as worst pick. Um, like I do get in years previous it probably was more um, easy to do where you can pit someone at the back knowing that you can IR them and, and pick up a free agent it doesn't hurt you too much but I think we're seeing with like you know I did it with Clay Thompson Dale's done it with Isaac um, John Wall here and it really kind of leaves a hole when they just become a nothing for you I I think the Drummond pick I said was bad at the time because it was an 85 but I did have the caveat that I liked it because he had, he had Embiid. Embiid. Yeah. And you yeah. see it every single time. Good handcuff. Yeah. If you're worried about Embiid's injury, every time Embiid missed, Drummond was going for a 30, it yeah. seemed. Yeah. Like, 
And then I think, I don't know, it, every he just had a game every now and then that made him worth holding. But you're right, there's there would be weeks where it would have quite hurt you to have someone playing backup minutes at 80, you know, pick 85. But, yeah. um, see, like, uh, usually when I'm trying to evaluate worst pick, I'm looking at the top 100. Uh, and Drummond didn't deserve to be in the hundred top hundred this year, personally, is my, my my evaluation. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think another one interesting before we move on, Jaron Jackson Jr. was probably included in the like Darius Garland and maybe even a couple other guys where yeah. like these are the breakout guys this year. It's funny how the potential breakout guys go around the you know eighth round, pick yeah, 70, <laughs> pick seventy onwards. Yeah, well, basically. Um, uh, Garland went three picks before him. Yeah, yeah. This is the time because, yeah, it's that ceiling floor kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, serviceable 76 didn't break out in the, the fantasy way that you'd really have hoped for. I don't know. 20.5 average, but... If, it, if like, honestly, if our league, um, for want of better words, overvalued uh, defensive stats, he would be a beast. Like, yeah. if, if, you know... Um, I just don't think that he's got the, um, at this stage, this season, what he showed, he was a little bit up and down in terms of his offensive output. And I think that's what hurt his fantasy production to an extent this season. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely, you know, going into this, um, season, he was definitely touted as one of the more, uh, bigger guys to watch along the lines of, like you said, Garland. Yeah. And I think, uh, uh, his defensive input is just unbelievably phenomenal and um, can't be downplayed. I just don't know if that translates to fantasy like you want it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. And Although the tw- the twenty points to the average is nothing to sneeze at, particularly at pick seventy six. Yeah. Like you got to be happy with that. Oh yeah, it's a um, it ends up being a good pick. It's um. Interesting. It's just, yeah, that variance. He kind of fell in the middle. Mm. I don't know, Jar Morant's pushing him on Twitter as a defensive player of the year candidate. No, I think that's a bit too far, but I get it. His <laughs> teammates and all. But, They're talking, uh, definitely not the defensive player of the year level, um, particularly when you've got people um, like, uh, who would I actually put a defensive player of the year? That's probably another podcast. Discussion. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Mikhail Bridges is nearly favorite he's got um, 82 games under his belt yeah so that that's huge it'd be interesting because they're saying like for the first time in a while they reckon like a wing Marcus defender Smart, yeah you know with the Celtics push um towards the end of the season and the defensive mindedness that, that they have built led by him it's unreal yeah, yeah like I, anyway I like a like I said probably another podcast but um <laughs> yeah what I will say is he's all NBA defense worthy team, whether it's first team or second team, I don't know, but definitely like he's, he's in the top 10 of players Yeah. in, in terms of defense in the league, I would say right now. Yeah. Yeah. So is it enough to give him the biggest tick or you reckon his best players probably a uh, Siakam maybe given he averaged 30 at pick 45? I don't know. What do you reckon? I, th- I think so. Particularly he was willing to take the roll of the dice a little bit earlier than anyone else. And it's no doubt that Siakam like was going to be a top forty plus like or better player. Yeah. And he got him at forty five. He he only missed out on, you know, one or two weeks worth of the season. Um, really good pick overall, I think. Yeah. And I mean I, I actually wish and I the amount of airtime we've given him, we have to give yeah, him. Yeah, I know you're right. <laughs> I was gonna say I just yeah, he's a good one to talk about. And yeah. I just say I wish I remembered my best and worst for every team. Um, to like frame it on now if I was right or wrong I, I was wrong on Siakam so I think I didn't gush about it but I mean I think the worst is obviously John Wall so at least I got something right um, my pick is Andre Drummond yeah and, yeah. and um, that's sort of again I like 20 hindsight's twenty twenty. alright but um, I sort of look at it and I go he was held on to for too long um, he didn't he was great as a handcuff for Embiid. I'll, I will agree that with that. But at the same time, I'm just sort of going, was holding him season long worthwhile? Probably not. And at 85, again, post 100, I would have been happier. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. And I, I, we, we won't talk about it because we're running out of time, but another tick, I think the Mitchell Robertson pick 105 was really interesting for his upside. Um, and he's one that I'd be interested in on where it goes next year. Um, but we'll move on to Dobes' team, who I think really successful season. Unfortunate that you know he couldn't get <laughs> um, the win in, in playoffs, but we saw people come through. He had the double chance. I was down on number nine as Jason Tatum at the start, and this will come up a little bit whether I'm super wrong because um, I was down on it, but I thought you could have got him in this in his next pick, but he was, I mean, 30.5 average. Dude, do you remember we were in the last podcast and we were like, do you see yeah. Jason Tatum as like a first rounder? I don't know. And he had this period where he was, you know, a couple of, Weeks where his shooting was rough. Jalen Brown looked like the best Celtic. And now it's like, okay, he was going to finish sixth in MVP. I mean, and that's what happened with... The Celtics were awful to start, like, the season. They were down. Like, they were, you know, you're 10th in the East. And then they had runs of, you know, 12 games in a row or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I mean, he led that. And this is how things changed so quickly. I went into this season. I can't remember who I spoke to, but I was like, I really like the Celtics this season. And, um, yeah, the first, I would say, quarter of the season at least, probably the first half, because I feel like they really came home strong after the All-Star break, like really strong. Um, but they made me look like a dickhead for what felt like the first <laughs> half of the season. It's like, I don't know what's going on, but, yeah, they, they brought it together, and he's been leading the pack as well. I, I'm, I Definitely, I wouldn't be speaking about him in MVP conversations, Tatum. Um, but... You know, you do have to recognize the um, the contributions that he has and every uh, has put into that team and everything has been unreal. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's in like that conversation. But when the votes come in, do you vote five or three? Maybe three. I think it's five. You do vote if yeah, I could be yeah. Wrong, I think but you're I think right. Five, yeah. I think there's going to be vote five, and he's going to get a few. Yeah, because the Celtics finished second in the end. But I mean, I think. I mean, he might go earlier but than night Also, next as year. well, like, the Heat finished first in the East. And it, are we talking about any one of the Heat as, like, from the Heat as a MVP candidate? No. Yeah, I think they're more of that collective. But, yeah. I mean, I get your point. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting. This might have been the more of the year than any other before that he was able to carry Kyrie Irving because um, we had the extra slots. But also, when he came back... Um, people get out for whether it's COVID or anything so quickly that he could pre- basically bring him on the bench, off the bench when he was playing. But obviously him not playing for the whole season and then only playing away games for what was our kind of regular season and playoffs. A huge... that I mean, that's a, a massive kind of miss on his part or, or hole that um, he couldn't have... I don't know if he could have foreseen it, but at the time of the draft... Um, you could have foreseen it at pick 29. Yeah. But that's all I'll say. It's like, um, I was not looking at Kyrie in the first 50. Yeah. And the fact that he went, you know, nearly half that, um, just because of the, the possibility of the amount of missed games and everything. Like, there's no doubt that when Irving's on the floor that he's producing and he's doing, like, he's insane. Like, there's no doubt about it. But, um, you know, particularly as well with the... Um, hype is the wrong word but it's a word I'm going to use um, around COVID at the time and vaccine mandates and who's going to uh, you know, do all that sort of stuff um, it, and him saying outwardly that he was not going to get vaccinated um, yeah that, that was enough for me to stay wide away from him in the first four or five rounds yeah I mean I think that pick hurts him quite a bit obviously um, but you know he backs uh, DeMar DeRozan obviously <laughs> huge if you did your MVP voting at halfway through the season he was definitely on your ballot Chicago you know fall off a cliff a little bit but fantasy wise you know averaging 29.9 that's basically what he was getting from his first pick in Tatum which we've been gushing that was a really good pick so to get a DeMar at 52 is in the ballpark of the best pick of the whole draft. Like. Oh, 110%. Who could have foreseen his bloody... Because um, 
it's one thing to, you know, emerge. And it's no doubt that DeRozan had emerged throughout his career as one of the, you know, biggest offensive threat. Not biggest offensive threats, but right up there as a great offensive threat within the league. And then for him to just lift his game from the Spurs to the Bulls was just unreal. Yeah. Yeah. I think collectively, I mean, outside of the, the Kyrie Irving thing, he's another team that up top, I really like his first like seven, yeah. eight picks. Um, it's funny because we'll talk about Jakob Pertl. I was very high on, on Pertl when he drafted him and in the review. And what I, um, I think I was right to be gushing, but what I was wrong with was I was like, I think he is in the position to be the best <laughs> fantasy spur player. Um, We'll get to Deontay Murray. <laughs> I know Walshy, if he is listening, he's like, you better fucking talk about Deontay Murray. <laughs> but Jakob Pertl was a great pick at 72. I think the OG and yeah. Anubi had a huge... He was almost in that Darius Garland, J, Triple yep. J vibes. And he went and picked 69 as well, so around that 70 mark. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he had a bit of a rough season, but it was mostly because of injury. Yeah, well, he broke um, his thumb yeah. or whatever it was, finger it was, or something. It was hard to be wrong. I think he might have got a, a good deal on injury in terms of he was able to carry Kyrie and, and OG so far. We know he had teams that really got put up against it and carrying people. Um, but yeah, I think... The second <laughs> half of his draft is just no good. It's no. rough. That's yeah, what I'm rough. building like, to, yeah. Chris, Chris Boucher onwards. Like, Zubak uh, did all right for a bit. Jackson, um, you know, he had his ups and downs, but he was one of the leading producers on the Clippers for a long stretch there. And then, yeah, P-Will, early injury. Dante didn't come back till it was insignificant. Boyan is Boyan. Like, he shoots. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I know... I used to talk about this like Clippers roulette on the review saying, okay, well, Paul George is going to be good, but who else is going to be good? And he picked up um, Terrence Mann after I dropped him, which is fine. He was a you know up and down player, but when you had Zubak, Jackson, and, and Terrence Mann, it felt like you were relying on the Clippers a bit too much. And I know they were good enough to hold, and he ended up finishing quite high, but, you know, yeah, like that back end of the draft wasn't really like loving too much of what you got. What we will say is Tyrese Maxey was one of the best um, free agency pickups. Yeah. 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 I know we haven't been touching on too much of the way of why because it's hard to like <laughs> gauge a lot, but Tyrese Maxey and regrettably Gary Trent Jr., which was someone I picked up before a game we played. And then it was <laughs> the season debut, Duarte dropped like 28 or something. And I'm like, oh fuck, I think I want to pick him up. And then, Gary Trent Jr. had like a seven or an eight in his first game. I'm like, yeah. actually, I really want these other guys. And I dropped Gary Trent. He... Trent's defensive emergence this year was insane. Um, I don't, we can't really look at previous year's stats, but um, averaging 1.7 steals this season was, I would say, a tripling, maybe a quadrupling so, of his stats from yeah. previous years. Um, it's just unreal. Uh, and that's me as a Raptors fan, fan gushing about him. But um, yeah, there were, there were games where he was the lead scorer on the Raptors. People were looking for him and stuff. And he just didn't seem like he could miss. What, and unfortunately, that happened after you dropped him. <laughs> oh, dude. I like, because I saw, I'm like, I think he's got that it factor kind of. Yeah, yeah. He's got and that something special. I was like, oh, you know, maybe he gets kind of pushed. It was on, it's a one game sample. And I think I'm a victim of over reacting um, to a lot of the stuff. But I think what we did see is the reason why he was able to finish as high as he was to get a double chance was top end was good and then he fixed some of the bottom end problems with some of free agency stuff. Um, he probably didn't get as much as he wanted from Bradley Beal as a pick 12. Um, but yeah, at the time, I didn't think that was a bad pick. It was a good season. It was just disappointing. I guess he couldn't get a win in the yeah. playoffs, but that's how it goes. He'll be building... Um, Sorry, before we go on... Uh, yeah. Worst pick, Kyrie. Best pick, I want to say DeRozan at 52 because I should. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Jakob Pertl at 72 is my favorite pick there. Um, and yeah, that's about as much as I have to say. Yeah. Um, with you, best pick, DeMar. Worst pick is hard for Kyrie. Maybe because I'm a 
you know, <laughs> and, and, and that's I think the worst pick is Mike Conley at 89. But, I mean, you could go either way. Let's see what he averaged, actually. I mean, I think he's serviceable. He's just not... He's the same as the drama. He's not a top 100 guy. 18.1 is nice, but he missed... I feel like he's in that other... The same thing is like, I don't think he impacted winning that much. And you look yeah, at his average... You, you and, he'll miss the back-to-back. He'll yeah. do the, whatever it might be. And you'll go like, it's good to have him on your team. But is he winning your games? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then we'll go now to... We finally got a name change. And it was a good one. <laughs> Maybe this was the way his momentum changed this season. But Walsh's Wiggy Wonka's Maple Factory. <laughs> um, That's a weird way to pronounce Dame of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just happy that he, he, he took... He took his inspiration, Andrew Wiggins, I guess, who's a all-star starter this season. Can, can I just jump in real quick? Best pick, DeJounte Murray at 41. There's no doubt about it. Like, I can't argue against it. He drafted really well, but I just... I, I want to get ahead and say DeJounte Murray at 41 is just unreal. We can have the conversation now. Okay. He averaged 32.2. Um, good enough. For that's like top 10 in the league, I think, when we look at it. Um, you get up. So, um, I think when I was talking about him at the start, I thought that he could be a worse kind of SGA in terms of like, he's got, you know, the ability to kind of have these numbers, but, um, I'm worried about him pushing to that next level. The jump shot was never something that I was enamored with. I think there was a lot of people who were, when you rated the best player on all of the teams, you know, there's a lot of players that were second best on other teams that you'd look to. But, you know, the 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 ability for him to, like, fill all the statistics and impact games, the triple-double numbers, the shooting was better, the scoring was up. Um, I mean, he's catapulted his way into... There's players that change, you know, seasons for teams in fantasy where you, if you can get someone at this bracket who puts themselves, you know, in the, the top echelon of players, it changes everything. And John J. Murray was at this season. Well, she, <clears throat> honestly, Murray and Booker, um, for picks where they were, were just unreal picks for him overall. And, um, yeah, Murray in particular, like he finished ninth overall on a per game basis. But again, take out Anthony Davis, take out LeBron James, yeah. and that's that's seventh in terms of like per game fantasy output. It's just unbelievable. And um, uh, only Walshy knows if he knows uh, that he was going to break out. But I don't think anyone really saw this coming. And uh, I think you you touched on it in in terms of his offensive output um, that he was able to lift while also still producing in all the other categories like he did is unreal yeah well I remember that being the pick that I think you know the opinions were quite varied on I'll still say now like given the knowledge that we had at the time pick 41 for DeJounte felt early feels early yeah and I think he when I spoke to him afterwards say he's the big question mark on my team and um, the you know the fact that he played so well was the the one of the huge bases of his success this season. And obviously, we've talking about it before, but it was a season of three half of three thirds <laughs> <laughs> at the start, absolutely dominant. Injury and COVID or whatever lost so many in a row. Did enough at the end to kind of make his way there, and then was one of the hottest teams going in. Potentially missed opportunity. Could have would have got over the line against Chris in that last game. You never know. Um, he, excuse me, um, there's no doubt about it, Us, I half did the math of like, you know, teams that were doing well over the course of the grand final week and he blew the league out of the water. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's hard to it's hard say to, that. Yeah. yeah. Say, and I, I think I said at the time, you have to be there to win it. Um, and that last day, you know, he got so close, had a pick, you never know. Um, but one of those players who finished um, so hot was your Devin Booker, as you said. And I think mm-hmm. every year it's like people are taking him high and it's like, I don't think he's worth it. And this year it's, it felt almost it felt like, like that again. Stuck. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, he's, he's in, I mean, we've already said that, you know, in that Tatum MVP kind of thing, 
Um, when Chris Ball went out, we saw some of the, what he could be, <laughs> be fantasy-wise where he pushed it from, I'm not just averaging 28.2, which he finished with, you know, your 26s or your 25. Oh, no, he was pushing like 35 plus. Yeah, yeah like yeah, the, yeah, that yeah. little bracket, he's like, it, he's, I mean, they finished, you know, as runner-up last year in the whole thing and he was one of the better players in the final series and you're like, okay, I've, I've got a next level. This is this Kobe mentality coming out. It, it's know. funny how it feels like Booker has taken the step from being a good player in the league to being one of the best. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it feels like he's starting to cement his place. Yeah. Even though it, it's weird how young he is and it feels like he's been around since, I don't know, He's six or seven seasons in the league, but that's what you get when you you know enter yeah. the league as an eighteen year old. And yeah, anyway, yeah, so. no, no, no. I think it was interesting him tanking like two Phoenix players back to back with Booker and Paul, but they were the absolute backbone to um, his season. Yeah, um, they were amazing, and and you particularly like it, picking from. Uh, the first pick and then being on the turn every time and stuff, you do have to be thinking 20 picks ahead. And yeah. It, it's a hard, like I say, for example, DeJounte Murray felt early at 41 or Chris Paul at 40 may have felt a tad early, but they weren't coming back around at 60 and 61. Yeah. 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 No, that's a really good point. Um, and I, I, maybe we're burying the headline here, but pick one. Giannis. Yeah. <laughs> Kupo, just <laughs> another dominant season. You, you forget about him because Jokic at two ends up being, you know, hands, well, not hands down, but, you know, the best fantasy player this year. But Giannis averaged 41.4. Like, players don't average <laughs> that much no. that we've seen. Like, uh, it's funny. And, you know, I was lucky enough to draft Jokic, but you, you Giannis, you Jokic, even some, to an extent, you Doncic. You go, wow, um, I actually feel like when they get a 25, out of, uh, which is still an absolutely fantastic fantasy score, you, you feel disappointed. Yeah. And that just shows how much of a, you know, a special player you've got on your team as a result. Yeah. And I think the reason for, for Walsh's success this year, you know, his first six players have been, you know, so amazing. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas, you know, obviously was was so so good, and I was gushing about how good of a pick it was. Um, it's just yeah, the questions are the what ifs because we've got we might as well do like best players and stuff. But um, Dejounte Murray, it's it's hard to say that's his. I started <laughs> with my like commentary is Dejounte Murray at forty one or Jonas Valanciunas. I don't know if I want to give that best pick because at the time we were thinking Zion was going to come back. Yeah. And he was a little bit of a victor from circumstance. Um, but yeah, in terms of Valentinus's impact over the course of this fantasy season, he was like unbelievable. But yeah, Murray in terms of the foresight that Walshy showed and um, the the fact that he rolled the dice and hit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, and then the worst, I panned it at the time and I think it came with Kyle Anderson um, is a rough pick. Um, at 81 and I think again we can look at the back end of his draft and go oh Jashon Tate actually sticked around and was really good with his last pick but mm. he was up and down but um, from Kyle Anderson Bledsoe McConnell Gordon Larry Nance Tim Hardaway it's, you know, it's, it's a bit rough there's nothing that excites me there yeah um, yeah. Rashawn Holmes in hindsight has a really <laughs> has had a very very poor season um, but then he had he had an eye injury that turned into another injury, COVID out. Then um, Bagley got not Bagley, Bagley got traded, but somebody came in Sabonis, yeah, which basically nullified Holmes as a fantasy asset in any way, shape, or form. And yeah, well, you've yeah. you've hit on the exact what if because my what if for him was Rashawn Holmes. Not only was he injured, he had you know personal issues with you know. Um, abuse of his partner I think it was or sorry this is his kid there was there was things hanging over his head and he needed to be dropped three weeks before he did and it's hard because you're looking at someone who at the time I think he was averaging like 19 a game putting a lot of draft stock into him as well yeah, 60, yeah, yeah. like but even like I think throughout the season was fine but it was it was identifying that he was dead weight at a crucial moment in playoffs to, to bring someone else in and the trigger wasn't pulled 
And I think it was ultimately um, the biggest what if that if yeah. he had identified Rashawn Holmes, things might have been different. Um, but yeah, we'll um, we'll move on because then we've got our final two play or two teams to kind of go through. And um, we're talking about names earlier, <laughs> and Lukey came with the goods with Freddie gonna kill you. And you. <laughs> I have to say, every year. I look and I go, well, what are you doing? But I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it too, man. I think it's been funny tracking his season because he's like, I'm not I'm not trading this year. Um, and he'd go like, this is my hallmark. Look how well I've done. I think if you go back, some of the trades that he'd done had never been that bad. It was last year because they all kind of <laughs> happened at Mac a fire Capella sale. trade still gives yeah. me nightmares anyway, but, I'll, but um, I won't say too much. Yeah, I th- but I think... So he hasn't traded and he's kind of trusted his draft and he's done so well. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I think Steph Curry at pick six, great. You know, he does what he does. I was really down on Van Fleet and not because he's a bad player, but I just think it was super early. Um, I think he repaid the faith a little bit, but average 24.6, I think, still thinks early. Um, so I think you get... I get justified in saying that given... You know, his next two picks in Vucevic and Lamella Ball um, both averaged more than them. I think Lamella Ball was the right pick at the right time, and I said that, and it came through. Ceiling, you know, we haven't seen it yet. The three-point shooting is blowing me away how efficient he'd, he'd been considering the shots that he takes. Game changer, Jared Allen, yeah? Pick 55. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100. You know what? Like, I still look back to it now, and I go... How the fuck, Chris, <laughs> did you see that Jared Allen, Jared Allen was going to be able to produce like he did with Mobley coming in, with Love, with Markinen, with bloody Garland and Sexton and Rubio and all these guys who'd be... Uh, even like if there was a guard rotation, it would have pushed into the minutes of the forwards and the centers regardless. And to have that, you know... Ability to take the pick at pick fifty five and say, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go all in on Jared Allen" was unreal. Yeah, I mean, I think we saw this offensive game that um, we didn't even didn't think or didn't expect that he was going to bring in. Then he's because even like in the last part of the season before, where he you know had a little bit of time with the Cavs, yeah, um, it didn't seem like he was going to do what he did. Yeah, and he's always been like super solid fantasy because it's, you know, blocks, rebounds, dunks. But I mean, there's this facet to the game that he added in terms of his offense kind of post moves. And as you said, like it was a stacked front court um, and he still was able to do what he did. So pick 55, huge value. Um, Big question. And I think it goes back to our previous conversations of rookies. Um, Jalen Suggs at 75, bust. Scotty Barnes at 106, game changer. Yeah. Like, yeah. And how much is this, like, some of it's luck, but some of it's, like, good fantasy drafting. You know, I love that he drafted these two because this was, like, the big controversy yeah. in the draft <laughs> as well, like, um, the actual NBA draft. Yeah. Because, yeah, Raptors, you know, four went Suggs and chose Barnes instead. And yeah, everything sort of come to fruition. And me as a Raptors supporter, I was out on the pick for a long time. Even like when Barnes was producing, I'm like, oh shit, like have we still done the right thing? And it, like all my worries are gone. Don't get me wrong. Um, uh, can I talk about Barnes for a little bit? Yeah. Does, it, <laughs> does he give you like slight Giannis vibes or slight, I don't know. He's got this, I can be everywhere in the court. I can do what you want me to do. Yes, he's got gaps in his game with his shooting, with, um, for example, being in the right spot defensively for, you know, uh, a couple little bits and pieces here, but he is such a well-rounded player, um, much more well-rounded than I think was scouted or was given credit for going into the season. Yeah, I think um, the, the biggest thing is, is him, and not to cut you off, Ferry, but like this position, this kind of basketball that he fits in with, um, and the fact that, the, the tabs on him was that he was going to be offensive liability, not the case, gives a shit. I like I remember watching him against um, Brooklyn where, like, we're bringing... And he's, like, no pressing. Like, there's a full kind of court press and he was up in the passing lanes, does everything. Um, coach's dream, I think. He's, he's quick yeah. on his feet. He's, um, 
eager to learn. Uh, he's excited, like you, you said as well. Um, one of the um, most interesting things for me, and you, you touched on it with the position, positionless basketball, is Van Vliet's out. He steps up as point guard. Yeah. You know, Ananobi's out. He'll play small forward. You know, Siakam's out. He'll play power forward. Um, I, I've got no doubt we'll see him in center rotations from here, uh, every now and then when, when they want to play some small ball. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it's just it's just unreal. I think, I mean, it's interesting if we go into next year or even the year after looking at the rookie class because I think people are, are willing to take a punt on these guys that they may know little about and then we can see their game changes if it happens. And then this year, you know, we've seen your Mobley, your Scotty Barnes, your Josh Giddy. Um, even kind of Cade coming through at the end. Um, more fantasy, you know, boom or potential than we've seen in previous years. Um, and I think good on coaches for, for taking the risk. But um, year to year, um, I think this might be an outlier in terms of people who were picked, you know, draft seventh or, or sixth being able to produce straight away and not be a liability. And yeah. maybe next year, I wonder if coaches get sucked in. But the, the upside that we've seen is, is truly um, remarkable if you can read the play well. Um, and then that's why it's fun to say... I mean, I had Jalen Suggs as my probably second rookie to draft behind Cade. And I think maybe everyone... Well, not everyone, but a lot of people would have. And it just didn't happen. Also, at the time, like even 106 felt a little bit high for yeah, Barnes. Like, yeah, they, he performed well in the summer league. And I, I was still looking at him going, like, he's got to carve out minutes. He's got to do yeah. um, a couple little bits and pieces to ensure that he's actually fantasy worthy at that pick. And, yeah, obviously, he proved us all wrong. Oh, yeah. I think I had Scotty Barnes and Mobley, you know, in my last three picks of these guys could be good, you know, risk-reward value at the end. And they both go before that, and they both turn out to be, you know, real on the top two teams for the year. So. Yeah. Um, I think it's good. I think Killian A's was an interesting risk. It doesn't pay out. Jangles is probably up there with his worst picks. Um, and Karis LeVert, again, just... Uh, I don't know what to think of him anymore, but... Uh, that was his worst pick. At 46 is too much draft stock to be investing into LeVert. Yeah. Um, and- I think... And, uh, I know he started out at the paces and stuff. Did he start out injured as well? I can't remember if he started off the season injured. But regardless, um, I just think that... Yeah, even after pick 50 even, you know, like in the mid-rounders and stuff, I'd be looking at him more so than um, yeah. any anywhere near pick 46. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. we can say hugely successful season. Uh, yeah, unreal. For um, Chris. Honestly as well, like I, I looked up and down the roster that many times and he made an amazing waiver wire pick up in Desmond Bain. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was relatively early on as well. Um, he, uh, but my favorite pick and call me a homer, I don't care. Uh, is definitely Scotty Barnes. Yeah. I yeah. think that one stands out and I would give a shout out to Lamella Ball as a, um, a good pick because I think people kind of wanted him, but the, the risk reward was, was definitely there and he took the guts to take him at 35 and um, he, if he didn't go at 35, he would have got at 39 at my pick. Like yeah. I think, and I think Dale and a few other players, yeah. I mean, I think there was five coaches saying, I'm going to take him next, but, you know, he's the one that, that today, and, and, you know, I don't think he's going later than 35 for the next five years at no, least, no. Um, as long as he stays healthy. So, um, good, good year. And that makes us build all the way up to the most important <laughs> team. That's me! <laughs> We've got you here for a reason. Um, I want to throw the floor to you then as we wrap up this podcast. You can talk about what were your the biggest things for you in terms of um, having not only a championship winning season, but the best season we've ever seen in Cougars history. Talk us through some of the things. <laughs> do, you, do you want to know it from a draft perspective or like over the course of the season? or I think over the course of the season, what yeah. are the things that, you know... If, um, yeah. Save your acqu- acquisitions. Uh, I can't tell you enough how important it is to... Like I know we had the extra IR positions um for covid but playing through those one and two ir spots and ensuring that you're not making unnecessary acquisitions just for the sake of a a win when you really don't need it or um for example the matchup of the season that sort of 
resonates with me the most is the five points between me and uh, Lukey's in our second matchup. Um, I think it was a little bit of like a grand final pro- preview, yeah, yeah, preview sort of thing. And um, uh, he actually said to me, he goes like, "Oh, you know, I, I'm going to be making a pickup." And I said, "That's good. that's all good. I'm not." And it was lucky enough that I got out on top in that game, yeah, um, and stuff without making that pickup. But just those that that's like a really good trademark of what or like pointer what I'm sort of talking about. It's the just budgeting, particularly when we've only got 25 over the course of the season and just thinking about what way is going to get you bang for the buck. Also, I've noticed that ESPN have been labeling people out <laughs> and allowing you to yeah, rotate through that IR to an extent, which I think was, um, you know, it was useful for me in, in some, some regards. Uh, the other thing was like, I wasn't like Marcus Smart, started out so shit to start the season and I was looking at him going like he's definitely in my bottom one or two players and stuff like that and this is one of those things it's uh I kept him in my IR I'm like I'm not gonna play you but I'm not gonna drop you either yeah and um it turned out that he was one of my best players for the uh, certain stretches of the season um yeah so in that regard strategy wise hold on to your picks um you want to have four picks per matchup in the playoffs. Um, those bye weeks as well, planning ahead and thinking about what's going to happen in that yeah. previous week in terms of like trying to maximize the schedule and things. It was a really important little strategy to get me over the line. Um, but overall, this this season-wise, um, yeah, I, I'd just probably leave it at <laughs> the picks. You're trying to preserve as many picks as I could over the course of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, an interesting point because um, this is a buck and a trend from when you've kind of been quite hot on it, but I think the stock in your draft was so good. And I mean, some comes down to health, but um, I think there's a couple of things you can kind of point out. In oh, your team. So d- draft wise. Okay. So draft wise, I felt like this was the best draft of my life. Like I, <laughs> I, I look at, I look at it and I go like, there's really not really a weak spot in hindsight like a where I felt like I softened a little bit in my draft was around Kevin Porter Jr. and Isaiah Stewart yeah. and Derek White so that was 62 to 82 like yeah. um that area I was intentionally taking a few swings and saying that this has a lot, lot of boom or bust potential and unfortunately in all three cases it was more bust than it was boom um, but then the back end of the draft, I really picked it up. Like, I, um, thank you, Miles Bridges. You are my favorite <laughs> player. Okay. I, um, he was just insane to get it, pick one Oh two. And then for the, the, just the explosion that he had this season was unreal. Um, like there were times where I was calling him the man on Charlotte, <laughs> which is weird to say, knowing that Lamelo is on the team and Rogier has taken all these shots and yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, Calden, Bridges, Mobley, and Smart, Barton, Giddy. Like to finish my draft yeah. with those guys, I don't know how like I got that lucky. Um, particularly as well, uh, I would say draft wise, my approach was I don't want anyone who's not starting. Yeah, I mean, so, I think you're kind of nailing it in terms of you've you, the top end and the 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 back end's been so good, and we've talked about guys that you know analytically or the average looks good but who've dragged wins for, for weeks on, on teams and Miles Bridges for you know the first month of the season you know was dragging you know wins and it's weird you know you say that with someone who's got Nikola Jokic but to, to get someone like what he was doing at 102 is just like it's fool's gold as bonus it's like so um, game changing he was such a good pick um, and then to get let me know, let me say as well like Going into this draft, uh, there were a few people I was re- pretty certain on. I, I thought Jer- uh, Ja Morant was going to take a step. I knew Zion was somewhat injured, but I didn't know the extent, so I thought Ingram was a safe bet. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, so there was some picks that I...